Good morning. We're glad you're here today, guys. Welcome. We're so glad you're here. We're right in the middle of a series called Break Free, how God wants us to help break free from anything, anything in our past, anything in our present that uh, we have trouble saying no to. And so this morning, instead of starting off heavy, I thought I'd start off light and give you um, the uh, the script from the mental health hotline. The mental health hotline. If you call this number, here's here's what they say on the answering the service. And here's what I want to tell you. One of these or a couple of these might hit pretty close to home with you. And so if you can't laugh at yourself, just laugh at somebody else, okay? All right. <clears throat> it says this. It says, uh, hello and welcome to the mental health hotline. If you are obsessive, compulsive, press one repeatedly. If you are codependent, please ask someone to press two for you. If you have multiple personalities, press three, four, and five. If you are paranoid, we know who you are and what you want. Stay on the line so we can trace your call. If you are delusional, press seven, and the call will be transferred to the mothership. If you're a schizophrenic, list carefully, and a small voice will tell you which number to press. If you're a manic depressive, it doesn't matter which number you press, no one will answer. Hey, laugh at somebody else. It's okay. If you're dyslexic, press 969696969696969699. If you have a nervous disorder, please fidget with the hash key until a representative comes on the line. If you have a bipolar disorder, please leave a message after the beep or before the beep or after the beep. Please wait for the beep. <laughs> if you have a low self-esteem, please hang up, hang up. All of our representatives are too busy to talk to you. Laugh at somebody else. It's okay. <laughs> if you have short-term memory loss, press 9. Press 9. <laughs> press 9. Press 9. All right. All right. That's the last one I want to talk about a little bit this morning is short-term memory loss. Some of us wish we had more memory loss. Some of us wish we could go back and erase some things from our past. Undo them. Avoid them. Erase them from our memory banks. Because quite honestly, some of our past are, are haunting us and tormenting us to this day. Memories sort of just pop up. Images just throw themselves into, into your mind's eye. Emotions that you felt years ago resurface. Your heart gets, your chest gets tight and tense when you face a similar situation. And your past is just all over you. And unlike an addiction, which you could get away from and avoid and remove, this thing's with you. And there's no way you can totally get away from it. And so it wreaks havoc in our lives. And I think oftentimes when we, when we struggle to break free from our past, it surfaces in our relationships more than anything else. And we don't really know why we behave the way we behave. We're not sure why we're mean to certain people. We're not sure why certain things set us off. And we're not sure why we keep hurting the people closest to us. But we can know why. It's because of our past. And when life beats you up, you just feel like part of you is missing, right? I went on a date with my uh, nine-year-old yesterday. And she doesn't have a care in the world. I said, is there anything you got a question about? Is there anything you wish you could change? Is there anything that you just need to talk to dad about that you've been not? No, daddy. 
I said, everything's good in life? She said, yeah. And you got to realize most of us started there, right? And life has beaten us up to the point where it has robbed us of the fun and the fire and the hope and the enthusiasm and the peace and the contentment that we once had. It's gone. And if that's true of you and true of me, then there's a little piece of us that's missing that God wants to step in and restore. We need to be set free from our past. We need to be set free from our past. And so we're going to use the the analogy of a yearbook here. It's my old yearbook. Nice, right? We also talked about how ultimately we're all addicts and we all have to be set free from ourselves. that there's change that bind us all. That we're all certainly a slave to ourselves. We all are addicted to self. We've also talked about the, the power of the addictions that come in the form of chemical substance and other things. And all of these things are wreaking havoc in our lives. But this morning I want to talk about being set free from our past. And so I'm going to pull out my yearbook here. This is my senior year. Oh yeah, it's nice, right? I thought I'd read one of these to you. Rod Z, that's me. Well, man, it's over. We worked 12 years so we could party for one weekend. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, he did. We had some great memories, especially going to Athens in the wagon. Used to drive a station wagon in high school. Listening to some hardcore rap. That's me also. Dude, man, blah, blah, blah. It goes on and on and on. Jeff Decker. That's good stuff. That's good stuff. Then uh, I left a page blank for my best friend so he could just take a whole page and sign it and let me know how he feels about me. That's why he left me. That hurt a little bit, okay? That stung. That was my girlfriend. Sorry, baby. Uh, that's my girlfriend over here. We won't go about it. We ain't going to talk about that no more. I got a better deal. Um, and then I looked up, then I looked up a couple people that aren't here anymore. Stephanie Hayes, friend of Gabe and I, she's gone, car accident, took her life. Hunter Lindsay had multiple classes with my bud, Hunter. Cancer got him, father of two. And as I look through these pages and I look at these faces, there's some people I don't know. There's some people I'm friends with. And then there's some people I hurt. And there's some people that hurt me. And maybe your memories are like that too. As you start scrolling through the faces and the events of your life, there's some fun and then there's some pain, right? There's some hardships. And if we're not careful, we'll just stuff that stuff down. We'll just, we'll just let that stuff simmer. We'll let, we'll just try to suppress all that stuff and we'll never end up dealing with our past. But God wants to deal with it. Turn in your Bibles if you got them. Uh, we're going to show these verses on the screen, but we're going to go to the book of Joel. It's a little book in the Old Testament, a little past the midway point in your scriptures. If you can hunt for it, great. If not, I got the verses for you. But it's a book written to the, the, the people of God, the, the tribes of Israel. They had established, God had established them as a nation. And he said, listen, you're my chosen people, and I want to bless you. And God did all these great things for them. And then as he set them up for success, and he let them do their thing, they walked away from them. And so God is great at getting people's attention. Anybody believe that? 
God is great at getting people's attention. So what he decided to do is he was going to send a swarm of locusts to eat their crops. Eat them out of house and home. Any teenage parents know what I'm talking about? I mean, line up kids at a buffet and wipe it out. Have you ever been at CC's when there's like a football team shows up and you're eating the crumbs? The people of Israel were were starving to death because this swarm of bugs had come in and eat them out of house and home. God got their attention. And the reason he did that was their past. They'd messed up. They'd walked away from their God. They said, we don't need him. He set us up. We're good to go. We don't need God in our lives anymore. And so they would not relent. And God sent prophets to tell them they needed to change their ways. And they wouldn't listen. And God said, listen, I've given you my word. You need to follow it. And they wouldn't listen. I set up a whole system of sacrifice. And it's just a game to you. And so finally God got their attention. And they'd messed up and had to face the consequences. And God sent, sent the locust to bring him back. Now, you might be saying, that sounds about right. That, that's been my experience with God. He sounds like the bully that likes to rub my no, nose in all my problems. And when I'm down, he likes to pile on top. Listen, if that's how you feel this morning, all I can tell you is simply this. There is a God who loves you and will do whatever is necessary to get you and to get you back to him. And there's things that other wicked people do that bring harm into our lives. There's choices that we make that jack up our own lives. And then sometimes, sometimes the enemy's at attacking us. And then at other times, our God and his infinite wisdom will bring a locust into your life in order to bring you back to him. What I'm trying to say is not every calamity in our life is a direct, direct result of God. But sometimes they are. And here's what I know. Whatever the situation, if I mess up or someone else messes me up, there's a God there who's willing to come and pick up the pieces. Look what he says if you uh, if you read in Joel chapter 2, start in verse 12. And God is describing through the prophet Joel, hey, this is what I'm doing to you and this is why I'm doing it. And, I, and then he says this beautiful thing here. He says, even now. Even now, after all your rebellion, after all your running away from me, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. Rend your heart. That means rip your heart. Rend your heart and not your garments. They used to have a practice, the Jews, to show their their uh, great distress. They'd tear their clothes and say, oh, woe is me, or oh, we're so ruined. And God said, listen, you can, skip, you can skip all the formalities. Instead of rending your clothes, just rend your heart. Return to the Lord your God. Why? Listen to this, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in love, and he relents from sending calamity. What, what this is saying is, listen, God's saying, listen, I sent the locust, you'd screwed up, so I did that, and now you're, I want you to turn back to me, and as soon as you turn back to me, it's over. And the past is the past. And I'm willing to let you move on. I want us to move on. I want us to look forward to what can be and should be. And not look in the past anymore. He does that because he's good and he's compassionate and he's slow to anger. And he does that because he knows our pain. And he hurts when we hurt. 
And yet he chooses to love us. So he wants you to be free from your past. Think about Jesus Christ himself. When he went to the cross, there were people that had mocked him and spit him on him and beat him. They uh, lied about him. His closest people had, uh, his closest friends had disowned him. And yet some of his famous words from the cross, remember what he said? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He wasn't going to dwell on what had happened. He wasn't going to get hung up on all that hurt. He said right there, I mean, it wasn't but moments since they nailed him to a cross. Father, forgive them. I don't want you to hang dwell on that, Father. I want you to, I want you to look forward to three days from now when I redeem them. So here's what I'm trying to say. God, If you're stuck in your past, God has done and will do anything it takes to help you move past your past. Here's what I know. Past hurt wrecks the present if you let it. Your past hurt, my past hurt, will not just jack up our past. It'll mess up today if we let it. See, too many of us don't move on. God's ready to move on. Circumstances are ready to move on. But we want to hang on to what's happened. And here's what I know, the the amount that your past and my past affects our today and our future depends on us. It doesn't depend on God. It doesn't depend on the person that's wronged you. It doesn't depend on anything else. It doesn't depend on circumstances. How much your past affects today is on you and me. And it will wreck us if we let it. You say, well, God wants to heal me. God wants to forgive me. God wants to help me move on. So why can't I? Why is it so hard to let go of the past? Can I tell you that we can? We can stop living in the past if we let God work in our lives. See, for too long, we we want to bury it or we want to make a trophy out of it. Are you with me? There's two reactions to our past. We either pretend it doesn't happen or that it doesn't matter. God's saying it, not saying it doesn't matter. But he's saying, I want to take all that hurt and I want to heal it. Or we make a trophy out of it and we say, God, remember all this hurt. I want you, you owe me for all this hurt. God, life owes me for all this hurt. Other people owe me for all this hurt. God says, don't make a trophy out of it. You, You can't move on from it that way. So when we think about our past, there's really only two scenarios. Either something's been done to you or you've done something, right? You break it down to the bare essence. It's one of those two things. And so if something has been done to you, there's been a catastrophic event in your life that somebody impressed evil or, or, or a bad choice or, or something into your life. God wants to heal that. And you think of Israel, they were sort of in that boat. They had messed up, but God sent the locusts, right? But I love this. You know what he says after that? Joel 2.25. Here's God's promise to you and I, uh, regardless of what's been in our past. Here's what he tells the Israelites, and here's what he wants to tell you this morning. He says this, I will restore the years the locusts have eaten. I, not you, not someone else, I will restore the years the locusts have eaten. What that means is simply this. God's not going to act like it didn't happen. 
He's not going to act like they're not going to be hungry for a while because the devastation of a locust coming in and destroying crops can last for a year or a couple or a couple of years. But what he's saying is, I can bring you back to the place that you'll have to remind yourself that it's happened. That I can restore. I can undo all the hurt. I can undo all the damage. I can help you move forward in such a way that it won't haunt you. This idea of restoring is the idea of making complete and making full. The little piece in us that's missing, God says, I want to help heal that right there. I want to restore the years that locusts have eaten. You might say, listen, I didn't get to have a childhood. I mean, my past is, I had to grow up fast. God wants to restore that. You might say, I don't, I didn't have the little leave it to beaver family. I didn't get that kind of experience growing up. God can push it forward into your future though. Can't you see that? You can have that now, can't you? By His grace. Here's what God can do. He can cause things to grow where they're, where they're dead. He can cause things that are dead to come back to life. He can cause your heart that is hurting and, and so hardened and bittered and angry to become soft and lovable again. That's the kind of stuff he does. When he says, I want to restore the years the locusts have eaten, he's not going to take the memories out of your mind. They're still there. He's not going to fix it so that you don't have to, uh, that didn't happen. That's ridiculous. But what he is going to do is he's going to make something birth in you that is beautiful and wonderful and it outshines and it pushes out the hurt of the past. That peace that you're missing, God wants to give back to you. Can you think back to before that hurt? You're all thinking of something in your past. Think back to before that hurt and how you used to be. Can you go back there? God wants to be it like that again, only better. God wants it to be like that, only better, if we let him. If we let him restore the years the locusts have eaten. You know, when you have a wound, if you're a kid and you get a scrape on the knee, what do kids like to do with them? Huh? They, Mama puts the Band-Aid on. What do the kids do? Pick at it. Come on. Any uh, scab pickers here? You'd never admit to it. (laughs) You know we've all done it. We pick at it. God created our bodies in such a way that when we get banged up and scraped up, he forms a scab over it, and our body begins to heal itself, and eventually the scab is gross, but it falls off. Hopefully ends up in the trash can. And you might have a little scar there, but are you healed? You're healed, aren't you? You're healed. That scar might still be there, still remind you of the hurt, but do you still hurt? No, you don't. That's how God heals. That's how God heals. He, you might have a scar and you, you will never forget the, the, the moment, but God wants to heal it so that you have to remind yourself that it actually hurt. And yet we want to pick at it, don't we? We want to keep thinking about it. We want to keep reminding ourselves and other people about it. We don't want to let go of that hurt. Because for some reason or another, that's who we think we are. 
See, when God heals, he heals in full. He heals all the way. What I'm trying to tell you is this. The shame that you carry is unnecessary. If we're still carrying around things from our past and picking at the scab of our past, God says, listen, I just need you to let me put the, be the mama and put the band-aid on it and let me heal it and you leave it alone for a while and I'll heal it. I will restore the years the locusts have eaten. He like, how did God do that? I, I can't explain it. I mean, I felt like I, I needed to explain this. And, I, and all week I've been like, well, God, i got to give him more than the, the, than the I can restore the years the locusts have eaten. God, show me how you do that. And he says, I just do it. I'm God. I can cause a crop to be lost and I can make everything grow back. But we got to let him do it and not pick at it. Sometimes we uh, we struggle with our past because there's something we've done. And we regret it every day. Sometimes we remind ourselves of it every day. And what's really wild is when you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, what the scripture says is God doesn't condemn you for that anymore. Anymore. And he's willing to forgive us. You say, well, wait a minute. I've really screwed up. I mean, my sin was such that, I mean, I, I wouldn't even want to tell you in church. I mean, I've really blown it. I've really messed up. It, I mean, it was really bad. Look what he says in Jeremiah 31, 34. You don't have to turn there, but this is what God says. He's speaking to his people again. And he says, for I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more. No more. See, not only does he forgive us and willing to forgive us in a relationship with him, he's willing to forget it. Now, this is a God thing. You and I can't do this. We can't forget, can we? Don't you wish you could? I wish I could. I've hurt my wife in such a way, I wish I could forget that night. But I can't. But there's a God in heaven who is not like us. And when he forgives... He forgets. He blocks it out. He says, as far as the east is from the west, I'm willing to remove you from your sin. You are no longer condemned. And I will remember their wickedness no more. And you say, well, yeah, but I did this. Yeah, but, yep. God says, listen, this word wickedness here, I looked it up. There's lots of other words God could have used for sin. I mean, there's a word for sin that means injustice. He didn't use that one. He, there, could have been, there was a word that you could use that meant lawbreaker. He didn't mean that one. He didn't use that. Or an offense or a sin. He didn't use any of those words. He used this word wickedness. It's a vileness. There's a dirtiness to it. There's a gross element of it. God says, I'm willing to forgive that. God says, I'm willing to forgive it. Yeah, but God says, I got your butt too. And I'm willing to forgive it. And I'm willing to forget it. And I'm willing to restore you to the place where you can move on from it. He says, there's nothing beyond my ability to forgive. And there's nothing beyond my ability to to restore. And the shame you carry, if God was sitting here this morning, he said, listen, in Christ Jesus, the shame you carry from your past, is completely unnecessary. Because you're still in bad, feeling bad about something that God has already forgotten. And you keep bringing it up to him, and he goes, I, I stink, distinctly remember forgetting that. 
It's gone. That's not who you are. And you're feeling bad about something that I've already restored, if you'll let me. You know, this might sound harsh, but carrying around shame like that is not only an injustice to yourself, it's also a sin. Well, why is that? See, self-pity is a form of pride. Self-pity is a form of pride. Woe is me, or look how bad I am. There's still, there's still an I, I, me, me element to it. And God wants to redeem all that. Here's, here's where the, the, the rubber meets the road, guys. Because I know how this works. And you'll listen to this and you go, you know what? I am free in Christ. And I am uh, without condemnation. And God will uh, forgive my wickedness. And I can be free from my past. And then you get out there and then, um, you know, days later or moments later, some other thought, some other emotion, some other memory pops back in and you have a choice. Will I listen to my emotions? Will I listen to what God says is true? Will I believe the, the, the emotions I feel? And the thoughts in my head, will I, will I stand on what God says is true? That I want to forgive your wickedness and remember your sins no more. It can't be both. Both are not true. But we have a choice. Here's what I know. God wants you and I to not live in shame anymore. He doesn't want us to be defined by our past. He doesn't want us to pick at the scab anymore. And he wants to restore us. And you say, what does that look like? What does it mean for God to restore? Let me tell you a story. The best I know way I know how to is to illustrate this. This is a true story. One of our members in our church, we baptized her several years ago. She has not had a relationship with her dad in years, in years. When I met her, there was no relationship. There was trouble in the family. Didn't talk to him at all. None. And I've known her for years like that. I get a phone call about four or five months ago and says, my daddy's in the hospital. And I'm going to go see him. I said, well, I'll pray for you. And over the course of several months of her father sickness and in the hospital, she began to build a relationship with this man she'd never had before. And all the demons in her past that resulted with a bad relationship with dad got dealt with. God allowed them to sit quietly next to each other and talk through life. Talk about the past. Process the past. Deal with the past. And then forgive each other from the past. And as this man slowly died before her, God did something in her that brought life. She showed me a picture of his baptism when he was a young man, her dad. And said, he knows where he's going. He has a relationship with God. And I'm not angry at my father anymore. And she spoke fondly of him. And when he passed away, everything that had been missing in that relationship, God restored God says, I can restore the years the locusts have eaten. All you got to do is trust me. All you got to do is lean into me. All you got to believe is believe the truth about what's true in this situation.
you know, I feel like I've got to say this. If if uh, if you're dealing with your past and you're worried about your past catching up to you and you're worried that um, that you're carrying around stuff from your past, if you have a relationship with God like the Israelites did, there's hope. But if you do not have a relationship with him, I wish I could tell you it's going to get better, but it, it may not. In fact, it won't. In fact, there will be a day that all of our past, if we do not have a relationship with God, our past will catch up with us. And we'll have to pay for every single sin we've ever committed. I want you to think about that. But God in his love and his graciousness, he's slow to anger and he's abounding in love. He has provided a way so that you and I wouldn't have to pay for those anymore. He sent his only son, his beloved. He said, you take all of their sin. You take all of their shame. You take all of their nastiness. And I'm going to put it on you so that they might become the righteousness of, of God. That's what he's done for you. But see, that only can happen in a relationship with him. So if you don't have a relationship with him today, that's where it starts. If you want to break free from your past, it starts with saying, I need to know this God who loves me, is willing to forgive me, wipe away my shame and give me a clean slate and restore the years that I've been missing. In just a second, we're going to give you a chance to do that. There's also a lot of us that know him that are still dragging our past behind us. And it's still eating our lunch. And so what I'm going to ask you to do is one of two things. If that's you and you know I've been talking and there's something in your past that's been weighing on you this entire time. God wants to lift that. And so I'm either going to ask you to come up here and and either kneel at the cross or come pray with one of us. And we'll ask God to set you free from your past to restore the years the locusts have been eating. Or the other thing I, I can ask you to do is right there in your seat, you pull out your bulletin, draw a cross on your paper, and then write whatever it is inside of that cross that you can't seem to break free from in your past. You can write a name, you can write an event, you can write a date, whatever it is. And then as we sing here in a minute, I want you to take that pen and I want you to fill in that cross and cover up whatever it is in your past. And realize that it is covered by the blood of Jesus Christ on the cross. And you can't see it anymore. God can't see it anymore. Because it's forgiven. And it's gone. Will you pray with me? Father in heaven, you're so good. That you would be a forgiving God. That you would even care enough for us that you want us to not be, be burdened by our past and weighed down by our past. God, you want to set us free from all that. In order to do that, God, we've got to have a relationship with you. God, if there's anyone in this room that is unsure about that relationship, I just pray that they would ask you into their life right now so that their past won't follow them into eternity, that their past will stop today and moving forward, there's a new life. And if that's you and you just want to say, God, I need you. My sin is following me. And I want to be free. And I believe Jesus died for me. Because he's slow to anger and abounding in love to me. And I ask Jesus Christ to forgive me. And I put my faith squarely on him to save me.
And God, all over the room as you're doing that, I pray that you would set people free from their past to know that there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You say that's true. God, I pray for all of us that we wouldn't be led by our emotions anymore, that we would believe the truth that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, that you will restore the years the locusts have eaten, that you will forgive our sins and remember our wickedness no more, that that's who you are, that's who you say you are, and we know that to be true. God, as we give this time of worship to you, if there's somebody in this room still struggling with letting go of their past, I pray they'd have the boldness to come up and let us pray over them. And so you set them free. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen.